It's time to start the podcast. It's time to hit the mics. It's time to start the podcast with Moon, P-Jug, and Hob. Meet P-Jug. Hey, P-Jug. Hey, P-Jug here. Uh, P-Jug's been a part of the uh, Moon, P-Jug, and Hobbs experience since the very first episode. Uh, and also Hobbs is here. You may not know this, but Hobbs is a 100% certified and fully trained and well-oiled, accomplished uh, auctioneer. And how long did you have to study to, to do that? Uh, there's only a couple schools in the country, actually, to become one. And one happens just happens to be in Iowa, just south of the Minnesota border. If you've ever been to Diamond Joe's Casino, mm -hmm. it's like right over by there. And uh, that's where they have their events. But um, I was there just shy of a week, four days. I didn't take the residential part. I would go back and take it. Um, but that was like when you're actually auctioning people's homes, which I kind of, I do find kind of interesting. So, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm a legit auctioneer. Can we auction Moon off? We could. <laughs> we could. Let's welcome our guest for episode 22. Bill Von Bank. Hey, Bill. Moon, question for you. Um, yes, sir. Did everybody else turn you down? So I'm, I'm it. No. <laughs> Actually, I've been trying no. to get Bill on for quite a while because, <laughs> and here's the reason why he's got a lot to talk about. Number one. Number two is this. He is known as uh, almost a, a whole different person by people that go to farmer's markets. He's known as Bill the Pie Guy. And we're going to have to get into why Bill the Pie Guy was created in just a little bit. I, you know, first of all, a little introduction. Bill and I met a long time ago, and it was at a live broadcast when you were doing, uh, you know, the marketing and stuff for Valley Fair, which at that point in time was adding all these big, huge rides and, you know, trying to hook people into going out to Valley Fair. And uh, that was what, in 2004? You were fairly, I think you were fairly new at the station too, or maybe a year or so in, and uh, we had you out for a live broadcast. I'm sure we had fun. I remember it because I remember <laughs> the food. We just kept bringing you food and food and food during the broadcast. Yeah. And that's the thing about me. Okay. So I gave up alcohol and I took up food. <laughs> you know, I need a 12-step program for food. And I know they probably have them. I mean, I just don't want to belong to any more 12-step groups. I'm in most of them already, right? <laughs> and then so how long did you work for Valley Fair and exactly what did you do? And at that time in the park's history, what was going on? So I was there uh, probably about four years uh, in the early 2000s, and Valley Fair's got a really interesting backstory. The park opened in 1976. Back then, it was a lot of cornfields all around the park, but its success came right out of the gate, and uh, they merged or were acquired a few years later by Cedar Point, the big park in Sandusky, Ohio, and that formed Cedar Fair, the corporation, which then grew by park after park after park. I think right now they probably have about 13 amusement parks, several water parks. So a, a fairly unique system of parks throughout the country. But Valley Fair had always been a cash cow for the company, despite its size, because it attracted people from all over the Midwest and Canada. Canada was a huge market for the amusement park too. So I really enjoyed the opportunities to be there because I love roller coasters and um, 
I was able to also um, introduce one before I left the park, uh, Renegade, which is one of my favorites there, um, before I ultimately went to the Minnesota Zoo and spent several years there. But the amusement park was, was, a, was a fun gig. About 1,300 employees for the summer, uh, many of which uh, actually came from Europe. Uh, so you would have employees that would come for the summer. They would make more in a summer at Valley Fair than they than they would make all year in, in some of the countries in Eastern Europe. Wow, that's crazy. You know, you don't even stop to think about that. But, you know, we've been to uh, places up north and almost all the helps from Croatia. I don't know why, because I hear Croatia is beautiful. Are you aware of the fact, or maybe you saw on my Facebook page, that my son just moved to Germany? I saw that this morning. Yes. And I mean, it was really hard. He and I are tight. All yeah. me and my, all, all my kids, I'm tight with all my kids. I took him out to eat and I said, this is like the Lord's last supper. <laughs> right? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Don't guilt the kid or anything. <laughs> Daddy's right? dying. This is the last time we're going to eat together. And that was one of the things my son did say. My son did say, <laughs> You better not die while I'm gone, right? right? He's over there now. I've spoken with him on WhatsApp. You know, that's one of the things that is so much better than maybe even five or six years ago is, you know, the video conferencing abilities now can pretty much put anybody together just like we are now. Bill's in, are you in Rochester today? Uh, I'm in, I'm back in the Twin Cities. I was in Rochester earlier today. I have a hybrid model of, of work, and I also have dual citizenship between uh, the Twin Cities and Rochester. Oh, wow. I didn't know you had to have papers for that. You mentioned you went from Valley Fair to the zoo, right? And then we continued working together. And at that point in time, the zoo was looking for, uh, you know, new people to come in, families mostly, and experience some of the improvements that they had made to the zoo and new animals and this and that. Minnesota Zoo, when I first moved here, was something to do in the wintertime because it was indoors, right? And that to me was so cool because I could always take my kids and, you know, they love the animals. I, you know, I think it's one of the nicer zoos. Now, during the years that you were there, were there any lions that ate small children or anything like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the good news is the Minnesota Zoo never had lions, so you can take that off the table. But an interesting thing about, about the Minnesota Zoo is it's mammoth in size. And, and one of the rubs early on was it was hard to sometimes see certain animals when you were outside. Um, but that really changed uh, about 2008 when the zoo opened the mega big exhibit, Russia's Grizzly Coast, with the sea otters and the grizzly bears. And then you were able to basically get hand to paw or hand to claw uh, with thick glass in between you to see these animals up close. So that really changed the experience, very immersive, uh, and set, set several years of attendance records for the zoo at that time. Uh, Moon, I think uh, they also should credit you. You did endorsement spots for us at that time. The challenge with Moon, though, is we always had to rewrite his scripts about 10 times. Yeah. <laughs> no surprise. <laughs> That's right. Uh-oh, he shouldn't be saying that. And this was, uh, I think, at a time when also the, the musicians that uh, were a part of their concert series, so to speak, you know, they had some really quality acts. And that's a nice little venue out there. 
I haven't been in a number of years. Are they still doing this, you know, series in the zoo and all that? They had been pre-COVID, and oftentimes you have to say that now, unfortunately. But they had been, I think, at least 25 plus years, the um, Music in the Zoo series. And, and God bless Sue McLean, um, who's looking down on us right now, and, and her company, SMA. They, they just put on stellar shows, uh-huh. intimate, you know, 1,500 seats, no bad seats, you would see great acts and the who's who within the Twin Cities would come. I remember when Willie Nelson came, I was, I was working there when Willie Nelson came and just everybody wanted to see Willie Nelson. You know, I guess maybe you never knew if that was going to be his last show, but mm-hmm. uh, that, it was fun to see um, who came out for that. At the, at the time, I think Nicholas David had just, he was on The Voice, if you recall, and he, he came out and I was able to chat with him and he said, it's Willie Nelson. You got you to gotta see Willie Nelson. In a venue like that too, outdoors. That's so cool. Willie, dang, where was I? <laughs> well, he's still touring, so maybe he'll be back. But it, it's just outdoor venues, outdoor concerts in Minnesota are like, you, they can't be beat. Minnesota summers are too short and people just love the outdoor experience. I do have an experience with both Willie Nelson and with Nicholas David. Okay, my Willie Nelson story is this. He was playing at a small theater called the Arena Theater in Houston, Texas. And I loved Willie. And I'd seen him a couple of times. But this time it was a smaller venue, 2,500-seater or whatever. And I had great seats. And I knew some people that knew some people. And they said, would you like to go on the Honeysuckle Rose? Wait a minute. Wait, that's the tour bus's name? Yeah, the Honeysuckle Rose. If it wasn't Willie and I was a young lady and they were just saying after a concert, do you want to get on the old Honeysuckle Rose? I don't know that I would want to board that coach. No, so I get into the uh, bus and the very first thing I see is this woman who I'm thinking, she looks worse than Willie. (laughs) Who is this? It turns out it's Bobby, his sister. Okay. Now, you know, (laughs) you know what Willie looks like. He's not an attractive man at times. Right. And then there's Bobby who plays the keyboards and damn, she's good. So we get on the honeysuckle rose. There's Willie and there's Bobby and all the guys in the band. And then uh, there's a, a heart surgeon. He was one of the very first people to ever perform open heart surgery. And his name was Dr. Red Duke. He was from Houston, Texas and very, you know, world renowned doctor in the heart surgery kind of area. And we get in there and man, it smells like cannabis heaven, but it was just really, really fun. I've seen him as many chances I can. I've seen him over 10 times. Uh, Nicholas David, this was a crazy story. There was a kid named Zach Sobiak. He was the kid that eventually wrote the song clouds that became number one on iTunes, even above Miley Cyrus and Justin Bieber when they were hot as hot. Uh, Zach was a kid that had, you know, a kind of cancer that you generally don't make it through. And he had this life dream of being a musician. He met our morning show and they played a song off Zach's phone. Uh, You know, once they found out he was trying to do an album, Uh, they played this song called Clouds. It was just an amazing song about you knowing you're going to die and taking the most from each minute of your life. And Zach, you know, really conveyed the message well. 
And our boss got him a studio, got him a bunch of studio players, got a bunch of digital people to donate their time. And they put together the video for clouds. Uh, and the next thing you know, that thing was a monster hit. Well, the first time I met Zach Sobiak was sor shortly before that during KS95 for kids, when he came out to meet Nicholas David from the voice, because at that point in time, it looked like Nicholas could win. Oh, and then to end the story about Nicholas David, okay, after he met Zach, he then came down to me on Twin Cities Live on Five Eyewitness News, and I ran into him backstage, and he has a very unique way of dressing, right? He goes to thrift shops, and he finds these super crazy looks, right? And that is the look of Nicholas David. That's his style, right? And I saw him one time. Uh, backstage at Twin Cities Live, and said, "Cool costume. What you was there a party?" And he's like, "It's not, it's not a costume, dude. <laughs> His smell would really would, quit it smelling was, people. What are you talking it, about? <laughs> it, it was a good smell. It okay. was like somebody that might have overdone it a bit with the uh, aromatherapy. <laughs> a lot of uh, essential oil. But I mean, it's a good smell. I mean, everything about the guy I love." And he and I have had a relationship, even though I, you know, have had these kinds even of, even though issues. he's not aware of it, you're just going around <laughs> smelling him, just looking at his clothes. Like, but what does Bill smell like? What do the men in your life smell like? Why do we, yeah. no kidding. And I, I really wish that Nicholas David would have had something that just would have been a massive hit. Cause he's such a good dude. He so now he left the Minnesota zoo. He did. Yes, he did. So yeah. tell us about that. What do you know about it? It's private, private events. So as much as we would have loved to have shared the news, it, you know, it was their event. If you get married at the zoo, can you get one of the animals to be the ring bearer? Like that'd be super cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, everything's the, this, these days is about experiences. So that might be something for them to consider. And I mean, it, your resume is just really deep. You know, let's talk a little bit now about what you did with Canterbury Park, Mystic Lake. I worked with... Um, the four big attractions in the South Metro, Canterbury, Mystic, Valley Fair, and the Renaissance uh, for a couple of years as they were looking to do more joint marketing and create a stronger brand for the area. Uh, and if you think about it, it's four major attractions about four miles apart and collectively about 10 million visitors. So a kind of a new math formula, four plus four equals 10. And um, you know, you, it's it's so interesting that you have that type of um, entertainment. You know, you're used to going to Minneapolis or St. Paul for for big concerts or or big things, but the biggest attractions in the state were really in the Southwest Metro, are in the Southwest Metro. Uh -huh. May through October, the Renaissance is about you know eight or nine weekends. They're going on right now through October, uh, and the uniqueness of and the history behind those attractions is pretty, pretty stellar. So the, the fun and entertainment aspect of, of my work career has, it's, it's been incredibly enjoyable. Do you remember your favorite show at Mystic Lake? Because let's talk about all the acts that we've seen there. We went to Larry the Cable Guy, who I loved. We went to ZZ Top, who was absolutely amazing. 
we went to the Zach Brown band and got into a little bit of an altercation, which I won't talk about. Uh, let's see. We went to the Goo Goo Dolls. And then when we go to the steakhouse, one table over pre-show, there's Rob Thomas. Okay. And we've had him on our show before. Uh, I'll never forget this. This is something that truly happened. He came in to do a private meet and greet before his show that night. And we were going to put him in a small conference room. And as he walked in, he dropped a joint out of his pocket on the floor and everybody could see it. And then, uh, of course, you know, we've been to uh, Canterbury and I love Canterbury with the tables and all that now, which is great. Not just horses. We were supposed to go out for uh, horse racing, but you know, because of COVID, I have been shut in. I mean, big time. Uh, the new Delta variant, man, I'm telling you, it's blowing up again. And I mean, every single state, the school's starting now. I saw the saddest story where there was two middle school teachers that started school on a Monday and they both died on Friday of the same week. Oh, oh my God. One was vaccinated, one was not. So, you know, so we've all been to all of the places you worked at south of the river. Then all of a sudden, he uh, takes off and goes down river, if you will, all the way down to Rochester, Minnesota. And he got started on a project that was basically to revitalize Rochester and turn it into this world-class city, which it pretty much is not far from now anyway. But tell us about that. Sure. Well, if you think of Rochester, what comes to mind? Mayo. Right. Mayo Clinic. It's... Uh, you know, Mayo Clinic in Rochester, uh, also known as the Med City, uh, kind of a great um, name namesake for the city. But Mayo Clinic is the U.S. News and World Reports gives Mayo Clinic like six years running the best hospital in the U.S. Newsweek, best hospital in the world. So to have that in Rochester, Minnesota is is quite unique. And and think about this: Mayo Clinic is the global Rochester is the global headquarters. For Mayo Clinic, it's not just one of their clinics. It's the the um, hub for their healthcare in Rochester, and more than thirty five thousand employees work in Rochester, a town of about one hundred fifteen thousand in total. So that's that's huge, and the largest private employer in Minnesota. So so you kind of have to have a starting point here in that Mayo Clinic is this this major player for healthcare, not just in Minnesota and the world, located in Rochester, Minnesota, about 90 minutes from the Twin Cities. It's it's an easy drive just down Highway 52. So you, your starting point is that Mayo Clinic in Rochester been, been part of the community for 150 years. Their growth is going to continue. Uh, Rochester's growth is going to continue. The state made a commitment back in 2013 to make sure that Mayo never, never leaves Rochester or the state by cre creating new legislation that created Destination Medical Center, which is an initiative to really help the community grow with Mayo Clinic. The tax base can't support Mayo Clinic's growth. Mayo continues to grow, especially in the area of research, um, which is now more, more important than ever. So Destination Medical Center was created to help create more opportunities to uh, bring in hospitality 
to create more a more livable, walkable city, which also then works hand in hand with Mayo to help them recruit the best doctors uh, so that they don't choose the East Coast, West Coast, that they can choose the middle of the country. First time I was a patient, I was there for seven days, right? Seven days. And they gave me a little calendar. 6 a.m., we're going to give you a stool softener. Uh, 8 a.m., we're going to give you a spinal tap. And I'm still a patient there. I go there every once in a while. And then whenever we were there, Bill was there. And I tried to connect right away because I said, you got time to smoke a cigar. And he's like, yeah, but did you know that you're not supposed to smoke? anywhere in Rochester. And I go, that's BS. He goes, no, that's the law. So what is that law? It's well, it's not really the law. I just wanted to make sure you weren't smoking around Mayo Clinic in, in those important buildings. We did, we did find a place to have a cigar. I will admit that. I'm a stand-up comic and I used to perform at Goonies all the time in Rochester. And uh, yeah, that's when I found out about the smoking rule. Like you can't, you can't be within like what, 150 feet of any Mayo Clinic campus, like anything that's got a Mayo building, you cannot light a cigarette. Otherwise they just, they come and they put you in one of those uh, padded cells. I don't know what they do. <laughs> they don't do that, but yeah, it's, it's very healthy city for sure. Well, and this is another thing about Rochester, since I was a patient down there and several times for multiple days, I had the opportunity to eat there and the restaurants. Okay. It starts with newts. Okay, if you're a burger pan, fan, great burgers, great burgers. And now guess what? Lakeville, Minnesota, soon to get their first newts. Okay, wow. I thought it was going to be only a Rochester burger place, but I mean, it's really good. And uh, I think everybody would be excited about that. What is the one that you and I and uh, P. Jug met at more than one time that has the lemon chicken? It's it, That's amazing. And it's Chester's. It's renowned in Rochester. If, if you're coming to Rochester for whatever okay. reason, yeah. you will find your way to Chester's. It's amazing. And Victoria's. Victoria's got a great reputation. Just, you know, and the cool thing about um, Mayo Clinic and being downtown is is just the, the concentration and the density and, and how easy it is to navigate and get around. So, you know, Victoria's and another, uh, right next door to Victoria's is another great restaurant that just opened uh, last fall, um, it's Old Brick House, a, an amazing Irish pub that opened. Uh, phenomenal food. Uh, you know, another restaurant that opened, um, Minneapolis-based restaurant, is Crave. We we opened a roof, rooftop Crave in downtown Rochester, and the, there's just a really good story about about that. So the owner of uh, the owner operator is um, Cascade Hospitality, Cam Talaby is the president and CEO of, of Cascade Hospitality, which owns and operates now 12, 12 Crave restaurants with the 12th one being Rochester. His family, they moved, they emigrated to the U.S. from Iran in 1979. And what was going on in 1979 in Iran? The revolution. But they came to Minnesota because his mother had a health condition and they couldn't figure it out in Iran. And they came to Mayo Clinic and realized that she had cancer and they just weren't sure where that was going to lead. And what it led to is her still alive today. Cam, he and I chatted about this uh, last year, uh, was so grateful to Mayo Clinic and Rochester 
that he was encouraged to open a smaller restaurant by the hotel owner because they're located in a hotel. And he said, nope, I owe this to the community. I owe this to Mayo. I owe this to Rochester. I'm going to give them the biggest and the best Crave restaurant I can give them. And it's phenomenal. Just yesterday, uh, another great restaurant opened just kitty corner from Crave and it's Thai Pop, a Thai restaurant. Uh, I, I was there for opening day twice, lunch and happy hour. <laughs> and, uh, the owners are, are great. They met they Annie and Ryan. They met in Thailand. Uh, she's a native of Thailand. He was there for the Peace Corps. She was there. She was a medical technician, a medical specialist in Thailand. They were set up on a date by her father. And then nine years later, they uh, come to the United States and uh, live in Rochester, um, started doing pop-up restaurants about five years ago. And during the pandemic, they had a small space in another restaurant and then quickly had to pivot to serving takeout. And they were just killing it, crushing it, and made the decision about six, seven months ago that they were ultimately going to take that restaurant they were doing pop-up in and create Thai pop. The food is so good. We'll go down there. One of my therapists there uh, at the Mayo Clinic has kids that live here in the Twin Cities. And so when their mom and dad would come to visit, then they would say, hey, have you tried this place? Have you tried that place? And so when we he was working on me, we had two hours uh, per session with this dude. His name was David. Hey, Dave, what up? Um, and we would talk about restaurants. And so he would give me names of restaurants in the um, you know Rochester area. We've always had great dining experiences there. And now here's another thing that I've been looking forward to, and that's getting down to go to concerts in Rochester. Because think about it. For me, like I said, it's one hour. It would take me that long to go to almost any venue in this town, right? It would take at least 30 to get to the XL, 30 to get to Target Center, you know, 30 to get to um, Mystic, 50 to get to Treasure Island. And so if I can go, you know, a little bit further, I go to Rochester and they've had some great shows. They've got more of them coming up, including two days I see with uh, Jim Gaffigan, who I've always been a fan of. And I mean, comedy, they just had Blues Traveler. And now you're a part of that at the Mayo Civic Center. Right. So I shifted uh, in Rochester to uh, with the Mayo Civic Center and Experience Rochester. So my role is is back to entertainment full time, back to tourism entertainment. Uh, so I work uh, helping to promote the community. Hopefully I've been doing a good job today, as well as uh, helping to promote the uh, entertainment within the Mayo Civic Center and working with our sales team to attract great conferences and conventions. You know, the Mayo Civic Center is the third largest convention center in Minnesota. Wow. That's huge. Yeah, and, and you're right. The entertainment in the facility has just been getting better and better. Comedy does really well. You mentioned, you know, Gaffigan's got two nights are selling really well. Nate Bargazzi, I don't know if you know Nate, Bargazzi and his humor. It's clean humor, but it he is so funny. His uh, show is, is selling pretty well. You know, another comedian just across the border, this YouTube sensation, Charlie Barron's. He's got the shtick, the Midwest shtick. He's 
you know, all about Wisconsin, hates the Bears. Uh, doesn't like the Vikings really well either, but he really hates the Bears. And he sold out a show in 72 hours in Mayo Civic Center. And we, wow. quickly, added, we quickly added a second show, which is nearly sold out. Uh, so we're, we're really excited about the, the prospect for entertainment. Uh, and, and Moon, it's great to hear uh, that, that we can attract people from the Twin Cities. And I think we had Blues Traveler, we had over 50% of our attendants were from the Twin Cities. I believe it. Wow, now, that's great. Awesome. I want to know too, is there ever going to be a high-speed train from Mall of America to Mayo uh, Clinic? There has been discussions in the past. I've not been part of those, but um, it's definitely something that's, if, if that happens, it'll take a long time and it'll, it'll be debated a lot. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I know there's a lot of interest in it, but I know there's also, you know, people concerned about it. So I think it, I don't know, I don't know if, if it'll happen in our lifetime, but I think that could be a game changer for sure. Well, I think so. Yes, I do. Ken Burns did a PBS documentary on Mayo Clinic that if you haven't seen, you may want to check out. A lot of people, I think when you say, I'm going to the Mayo Clinic, it's because it's your last option, right? That's what people around the country think. If I'm going to Mayo Clinic, that's my only hope. And that's well, you they- mentioned a good a good word there is hope, and 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 that's what Mayo Clinic does bring, uh, and they do they do take complex care patients. I mean that's that's what Mayo Clinic is known for, and and they're amazing at it. And and Ken Burns, his documentary, it's two hours and it'll fly by, and you need some Kleenex, uh, in a good way. It's just the the treatment, uh, the families, um, and the the way Ken Burns does it. Um, he uh, a lot of times talks about the secret sauce of Mayo because their their approach to care is unlike anybody else. There's two major buildings, the Gonda and the Mayo building. They're right next to each other. They're high rises and on each floor is a different specialty. One, A, oncology. You know, floor two might be respiratory. I mean, they've got something for every little disease and they coordinate off so that you can get from one doctor to the next in like two minutes by foot traffic. Although this is one thing I thought that was totally weird. They said, when I set up my appointment, that if I had medical records, I could bring them. So you got to call the, you know, healthcare system that's treating you. And then you got to get permissions. And then there's the hip of this and the hop of that. And the next thing you know, you've got this big stack of documents. And for me, my medical records are about three feet deep at this point. Okay. <laughs> like a copy of the Odyssey and the Iliad. <laughs> Earlier in the podcast, Bill, I don't know if you caught this one, but we went through a list of all my medical maladies and it took up about half a podcast, right? But and who that, doesn't want to miss that? Go back. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget to like and subscribe. Let me pop some popcorn first. So then I take my you know three feet deep uh, records to Mayo Clinic, and when I present them to the attending physician, the physician just takes them and kind of plops them over in the corner. And I said, "Well, do you look at those things?" I go, "No." 
And I go, well, what'd you have me bring them for? And they say, here at Mayo, we do all of our own research. If you, I had an MRI uh, that was like three grand in Golden Valley on like a Tuesday. I was a patient at Mayo the very next week and they wanted another MRI. And I go, I just had one. They said, we don't read those. We do our own stuff. And I'm like, well, in a way that's pretty cool, but is my insurance is going to go for that, right? Uh-huh. And I think a lot of times you wonder uh, if Mayo, because of the way they do medicine, could be much more costly. I found it to be cheaper than a, a lot of places. And, you know, the care is great there. I'm going to, you know, I could be doing uh, commercials for them. You know, I did get offered a job doing commercials for the hurricane. Yeah, but you have to actually read the script then. We're coming full circle on the conversation. You'd be like, go to Mayo. They fix your stuff. That's right. (laughs) And there's great places to eat right next door. Exactly. You're going to be like, they got a great hotel that they don't have. And then then Bill actually has been podcasting himself. Okay. Urban evolution is what you want to Google. Urban evolution. I listened to one of his podcasts that kind of featured people within the Rochester area. Uh, and the one I happened to catch was about a guy that had started a pizza business and go ahead and tell the story because it's really a, it's a hell of a story. Yeah. Pasquale is his name. That's good, good Italian name. And that's where he's from moved to New York when he was about eight or nine with his family and, um, spent quite a few years in New York and, um, got to, really have an affinity for hospitality and food. So eventually he's all over the world traveling as an executive chef for, for many of the major hotel chains and ultimately comes to um, Rochester to um, for a hotel chain there to really help amp up their food and their quality and, and in new options. And then um, decided after a few years and, and in, in a, another opportunity in the Wisconsin Dells decided he wanted to open up his own pizza place. So he's, he, in 2017, he opened Pasquale's neighborhood pizzeria and we interviewed him on the podcast because he had, you know, ultimately a really great story and his love for the United States and, and wanting to live the American dream. It's just a really positive story just on that alone. Uh, but then COVID like all of a sudden created a new opportunity for him, you know, supply chain is horrible right now, no matter where you go. And uh-huh. the, several high V stores in the, in the Rochester area were running out of frozen pizzas. Mm. And, you know, he makes fresh pizzas, but he doesn't do frozen pizzas. And that just wasn't part of his business model. Uh, but that changed. Uh, and high V came to him and said, we need pizzas. We need them now. Can you make them how fast? So he started and, you know, one high V, two high V, four high V, six high V, seven high V, and then now it's expanded into the Twin Cities. And not only, not only pizzas, frozen pizzas, but sauces. He's working with corporate high V in Iowa, uh, where they're based, to get his product in all of their stores. And and you know his ambition is great. Um, you should listen to the podcast, UrbanEvolutionPodcast.com. It, it's just really in, inspiring. And sometimes we just need an inspiring story. It sounds so much more big league than this podcast. This podcast, <laughs> is, this podcast is way down on the food chain. Hey, Moon, you are 
you are a superstar. So going into uh, the Minnesota Broadcasters Hall of Fame is nothing to sneeze at. Well, thank you, thank you. You know, here's one thing that I'm totally concerned about that night is I have not worn pants in 18 months. <laughs> you okay. didn't even wear them before that. Stop it. <laughs> when did okay. you wear pants? Yeah, and this is the thing. I've worn, this is literally true. I've not worn shoes in six years because my MS doesn't allow it. And it's just a big, long story. But uh, so anyway, I got to go to this event and I'm thinking, well, what am I going to wear? And they were thinking, hey, that peach shirt that peach shirt, it kind of makes your eyes pop, right? And I'm thinking, okay, perfect. I'm thinking, I hope I don't get a razor burn. I've been experiencing some, some uh, skin irritation with my current electric razor. And the other night I used my electric razor and you would not believe the rash I had. And you know, I don't do well at formal events. I never have. I've always thought that a tie was created by a woman to choke a man. Right. That's what I always thought a tie was. It's a noose. That's all it is. And I would go to these events and I would get so stressed out. You can ask P joke. Whenever I go to these like really uppity things, I just don't do well. I mean, I get along with the people. Okay. But I just stress out and I, I don't. So uh, hopefully, you know, that's not going to happen. Oh, and another thing that we got to address is your uh, ability to make a damn good pie. Yeah. I had no idea that my friend Bill, who I'd known since 2004, would ever get in the pie business. And then I'm thinking, wait a minute, let me try one of those pies. And he says, well, what kind of pie do you like? And I'm like, I like all pies, right? Uh, For my dad's Father's Day gift, I would get him a pie a month from Perkins. That's what I did because they have good pies. So you decided uh, that you were going to try doing some pies and maybe taking them to farmer's markets, but then yet donating the money to great causes. Yes. So like most people uh, during COVID, you went a little stir crazy, right? And I did for sure. So I just started watching YouTube shows, food shows, cooking shows, and I would just start making stuff. And, you know, we were, I grew up in a large family, uh, the youngest of 11 kids. So we all had to learn uh, the practice of baking and cooking when we were young. And many of us still do and do it well. And I would say I'm not even the best cook or baker in my, in our family, but my mom uh, for years did farmer's markets herself. So I thought, well, I'll tribute to my mom too. Um, and I, I'm just going to do this, uh, pass some time. COVID's not going anywhere. And I guess we were right on that, unfortunately, but um, so last September I propped, I popped up, build a pie guy and started doing farmer's markets and, um, have donated all of the mo- money, uh, from those farmer's markets, uh, to hunger relief. So second harvest Heartland has been, um, the main, uh, charitable organization and close to $3,000 that I've raised on pies. On pies. Cool. I great. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's actually a creative outlet. You wouldn't think of it. You know what? Sometimes, uh, which makes it even better, is a shot of crown while I'm making pies. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then the other day on your Facebook page, didn't you have a macaroni and cheese pie? You get a little cocky and you say, okay, what else can I make? So I've, I've made, uh, I did make a macaroni and cheese. So you can make, pies don't have to be dessert. So I made a macaroni and cheese pie and I made a, um, 
Tater tot hot dish pie. Nice. I was going to ask you about your savory pies, if you have any. I knew about the mac and cheese pie, but yes, I'd be very interested in the savory pie. Can you we tell just... me what you want? Yeah. You know, you know, Hobbs, since you're an auctioneer, I would, you know, we should, we should think about auctioning off pies. Yeah. Charity. Let's think it, about that. That's actually something that's kind of a, that is a fundraiser that people do. They auction off um, cakes. So why not pie? That's it. Well, uh, we better get to going. And here's what I want to say like this podcast, share this podcast, moonpjugandhobs.com is the website. Write us at moonpjughobs at gmail. No, and everything's supposed to be moonpjughobs, except the email address, which I screwed up on. You know, when you start a podcast, you should have a plan. You screwed up? I can't believe you screwed up. (laughs) Yep. So I screwed up. And I didn't do it quite right, but I was close. This is my first attempt at a podcast. They say, and I don't know how many people are listening to this stuff, but you know, I know that it's in the thousands. A lot of our guests say, well, what's the topic of the podcast? I go, we really don't have one, nope. right? We just kind of roll with it and uh, we have fun with it. Next week, uh, somebody that you know, Bill, somebody that you know, Hobbs, Somebody that you know, P. Jug, his name is Dave Ryan from KDWB. Oh, oh say hello. Dave's a great guy. And you did a lot of stuff yeah. with Dave. I did do a lot of stuff with Dave, yes. He's been in the business for a long time. And nobody knows this about Dave Ryan and I, who are on competing radio stations. He and I started talking and becoming friends in the 80s when he was still in Colorado Springs. This was before Dave went to Phoenix. This is before Dave went to Columbus. This was, uh, you know, after he got here, uh, he and I kept talking. And then when I finally moved here after sharing ideas for radio shows and guest numbers and things like that since the 80s, okay, then I finally get up here. I get to meet him face to face. We get to have a cigar together and I'll never forget it. Uh, we went to a smoke shop, I believe in Burnsville. And I said, Hey, I'm buying. And he went right over to the Opus X cigars, which are like 40 bucks a pop. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, dude, you're a morning show guy. I'm just a piddly ass afternoon show guy. Right. Because at that point in time, the morning shows were always the ones that highly compensated and the afternoon show people, we were like the junior varsity, the B team, the afterthought, the people that didn't matter, right? We were that guy. Uh, but anyway, Dave and I have uh, continued to smoke together. I remember, check this out. I'm going to give him crap about this. Uh, he bought a motorcycle and it was a Honda shadow. And he and I talked about bikes. He knew that all I ever did with you know, my life was ride my bike. And, uh, and so anyway, I said, Dave, they're beautiful. They look exactly like Harley's, but they're only uh, 750 uh, cc's, the engine, and that's really not enough to get, you know, when you hit the gas and you got a truck coming, you want to be able to get the hell out of the way. And I said, a bike like that and your weight really doesn't, you know, match up. And he goes, well, I don't really want it really ought to get a one that's too huge because they scare me. I mean, I'm just a beginner. And I said, yeah, I know, but I mean, you know, you got to think about having some gas. So anyway, he went ahead and he bought this bike and it was a beautiful bike. Uh, I took him for a ride all around Lake Pepin 
His bike, uh, you know, is a bike that's meant to really be ridden in town, not on long hauls like that, like three to five hours at a pop. And his ass was so sore. I remember he was like, oh, my God. He goes, I can't believe we've been riding this far. It was like his first major long ride. And uh, a week, I, I think maybe two weeks after that, he ended up buying himself a Harley, giving his wife then his Honda, and now they've been riding together. I mean, he's a pilot. He's got a million stories. We're going to have so much fun next week. I can't believe it. Okay, everybody. That's episode 22 of Moon, P-Jug, and Hobbs. Thanks, Bill. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Fun. It's time to end the podcast. It's time to shut off the mics. It's time to end the podcast and get a thousand likes. You need to share this podcast with friends in cars or bikes. It's time to end the podcast and get a thousand likes. Why do you always listen? I guess we'll never know. A fat guy in a wheelchair. What the f*** does he know? It's time to end the podcast. It's time to get some likes. Go to your computer, type it in, and you're going to win. We are out of lyrics in Boopie Jug and Hobbs. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo. Let's put this show out of its misery. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.